0: Brought to you by Prescient Investment Management. Informed by Science, guided by insight. Prescient Investment Management is an authorized FSP.
1: Welcome to Honest Money. Uh, I have to start with the dad joke. Uh, today we're we're um, we've got an interesting topic. We're talking about interest rates, and uh, will they ever come down again? uh and and so i'm i've got i'm really pleased actually that we've got uh, ba- Bastian Tachkribe uh, to join us. Bastian, uh, I always have to have a, a drink before i say your name to make sure i do it properly. Uh, he, he's the chief investment officer um at President Investment Management. Thanks so much for joining us.
0: Thanks for having me on the show, Warren. So
1: We're in an environment where, uh, I mean, it feels unique to us in South Africa that we've got uh, high interest rates and that we're suffering with inflation. But, but, uh, I mean, it's almost a global phenomenon. I can't think of... Lots of countries around the world that are that are in the opposite position to where we are. Everyone seems to be struggling with uh, with some form of inflation and 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 higher interest rates than normal. Um, and, and the question I'm getting asked from everybody is, you know, are we are we here? Is this it? Is this the new normal? Will, will interest rates ever come down again? Uh, and I don't have the answer. So I'm, I'm very glad you're on the show
0: thanks Warren. um yeah, let me start with some good news then um interest rates will definitely come down again over the long term, so it's very important to differentiate between structurally higher rates, which we don't really see um, that we are experiencing that, or if you have more cyclically higher rates, which is exactly what what we see so trying to say in simpler terms, um we are of the view that structurally there's no reason why interest rates should be higher than previously or pre-covid if you want to but we are just going through a period where the US economy is extremely strong and with that the US economy can afford itself to have higher interest rates and with that all the central banks globally are following the Fed on this path to higher rates so so
1: maybe let's there's two phrases there that I'll, I just want to expand on a bit more so so we've got structural and uh, and then cyclical so so structural would be we are we're, we're at five percent for argument's sake interest rates in america uh, and and if it's structural and uh, uh structurally higher, that means it stays there forever uh and and if it's not that, then it's the opposite, which is cyclical, which means it goes up in and it could be cycles of of months or years it doesn't have to be cycles of days or weeks it could, they they can be relatively long cycles. Uh, and, and so if we're talking about cyclical, which is what you're saying, then, then you, 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 me- you measure it with some confidence because you know why it went up and therefore why it will go down again.
0: It's exactly that, and there's, there's a lot of reasons why cyclically interest rates are higher. Look, at, first of all, the U.S. economy is doing very, very strong, which is hard to believe if we are like looking in, at, into the South African economy. Obviously, our economy is not doing so well. If we look into the European economy, the European economy is not doing so well. If we look into other emerging markets like China, uh, the economies are not doing so well. But if we focus on the um, United States, the economy is actually doing exceptionally well. There's a lot of reasons for that. Um, it's very consumer-led. Um, economy and the economy the consumer in the states can still afford these high interest rates for several reasons um, Some of them would be that the savings rate was very high Some of the reasons would be that they received a lot of checks post COVID which didn't necessarily need to be spent So with that um, the US economy is consumer driven very strong And with that the Fed has no need to bring down rates But now ask yourself is that a structural thing or is that a cyclical ring though? So it's a cyclical thing because um obviously it doesn't mean that long term anything has changed. So that phenomenon which we are experiencing right now, that the um saver just happens to have a lot of money and that the US economy is doing so well and unemployment is so low, um that's something which which is great and hopefully actually hopefully it lasts for a while longer. But it it's not something which has now structurally changed compared to where we've been before.
1: So so if it was structural, that that would be because something happened where uh, uh, a new measure of, of kind of permanent salary increases because it was a law that was passed and minimum wages went up or or, or something that caused it to fundamentally never move again. At the moment, if it's cyclical, it's because there is, uh, a, a, I mean, at its most basic in all economic supply and demand, some, there, there is a extra demand for something, uh, prices are going up, and, and when that demand Peters out that uh, we'll see prices going down. I mean, it, it, at a real kind of overly simplistic level, that, that's what we're talking about now.
0: It's exactly that. And look, there has been a lot of argumentation that structurally rates are higher and that structurally inflation is higher, and that's what we what we often hear. And then it's often linked to COVID. Um, we don't really see that. If you look structurally, especially what. Um, what has changed post-COVID, the answer is actually not that terribly much. Um, you have a lot of gains in productivity, but that is something which is not inflationary. That's actually um, deflationary. And, and with more deflation, obviously, the ability to have lower rates. And and the usual long-term structural forces like um, demographics or higher debt levels, those are all still very well in place, more in place than ever before. And they are all highly deflationary, not inflationary. And that's why we are not surprised that inflation in the States is coming down sharply and also came down sharply in South Africa. I mean, we are in the middle of the band. And with that, eventually we can lower rates again. As said, it's just that the Federal Reserve doesn't have to rush to cut rates because they can simply afford to keep rates so high because the economy is so strong. But none of this should make us think that rates will be higher for Good. We it does feel they are higher for longer because everybody is once again on a monthly basis stunned how well the U.S. economy is doing. So there's a lot of upside surprises there, and with that, um, there is a stickier, higher level of interest rates. But again, again, it's not structural
1: so so i think what w- one thing with uh, inflation is it it's partly a physical thing it's about prices rising and it's partly a psychological thing it's about people anticipating that prices continue to rise and and the psychology here is important because I- if workers feel prices are going to continue rising for for the foreseeable future they're going to start demanding higher higher wages uh, and that could become uh, an inflationary story all on its own. And and so, um, I mean, I don't want to get too technical, but I think it's worth just talking about. Uh, we see kind of in the last days and weeks, uh, the 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 auto workers in America starting to flex their muscles. Their the union leader, who uh, I mean, I don't think people could have named the union leader of the auto workers in America over the last decade. All of a sudden, uh, he's he's a, a, a feature of the on the national stage in in the U.S. and 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 they are flexing their muscles for for higher wages and and quite significantly. Uh, you, you're still okay that that's a, a, a not, not a structural thing. It's a cyclical thing.
0: Yes, I mean, that is potentially, look, a, a shortage in labor, in labor supply generally could be something structural, which then pushes up wages, which then would lead to like a wage price spiral, exactly as you basically um, mentioned it, that prices would spiral higher and higher and higher. But we really don't see that. Yes, um, it is. Quite concerning to see the labor's labor unions in the states uh, flexing their muscles, as you call it. But if we look a little bit deeper, then we can see that it's purely politically driven. Um, it happens because we are close to the election in the states or getting closer to elections in the states. And it's also happening in very selected areas. It's happening um, mostly in, in the Rust Belt, so everything around Detroit, where there's the auto industry. And why is it happening there? Because those states are called swing states because they can swing between being electing Democrats or Republicans. So they're incredibly important from a political point of view. And that's why they basically receive a lot of attention right now. But is there Worker, the auto, the worker in the auto industry really going to drive inflation on a broader basis structurally higher? We really don't think so. So, okay. if, if you look deeper, you will see that it's actually a quite small share of laborers in the States which are unionized. And um, secondly, that even higher wages don't necessarily have to be massively inflationary if they can be offset by productivity gains. And that's exactly what we are seeing. So you, you can afford to pay your laborer much more but or your, your, your auto worker much more if you now just need one worker instead of two. Right, so then it wouldn't be necessarily inflationary on on the broader in the broader scheme of things. That's exactly what we've seen post COVID. Uh, we always like to use a McDonald's example. You used to have a lot of people at the at the till at McDonald's, and now you basically have to type in your own order, and uh, that's just um, a good example of massive productivity gains, massive disruption, which are actually deflationary in a good way.
1: So. So, I mean, I think that uh, I think it's a nice uh, kind of a nice uh, part to close there. I I want to kind of jump onto onto central banks. So, you know, we tend to think of central bankers as, uh, you know, extremely sophisticated, uh, very deep knowledge, very rational, very calm. Uh, and and if not perfect, uh, pretty reliable, pretty predictable. And and for me in South Africa, I feel that. I, I think we've been blessed with fantastic central bankers. But but I'm looking at America and I'm thinking, you know, th- this central bank team were, were the ones that said to us, this inflation thing is transitory. I, I think they've probably banned that word now in the in the Fed uh, in, in America because cause that wasn't the case. Uh, and, and to me, it feels like, and I'm not sure if it's a fair critique, but it feels to me like they're misread, uh, the the inflation story at the at the beginning. Uh, and and so they kept saying it's transitory. It's just going to, you know, kind of come and go. And it didn't go as fast as, as they thought. And, and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, interest rates went up. And I, it feels to me like they went up from kind of 0.5 to kind of 5.5, you know, just very simplistically. You know, if you had a mortgage, that that's a heck of a jump in your mortgage uh, re- repayments. So, so now looking at this with a bit of benefit of time, uh, are, are, are we wrong to kind of doubt these central bankers? Are they still, do they still kind of know what they're doing? Was it just a, a mistake or, or or am I being too harsh?
0: I almost think we are generally too harsh on them, to be honest, Warren. I think um, that they are incredibly smart and they're making very good decisions still and that hasn't changed. So I think they deserve much more credit than we tend to give them. Um, you are right, though, that... The phenomenon of inflation was initially underestimated, and nobody expected inflation to go that high, as fast, and then remain so sticky. That is true, and that is a that is a mistake which potentially central bankers will have to earn, but to own. But but the reality is, um, we had so many idiosyncratic shocks, like a war in Russia, like a, a China zero COVID strategy, um, like massive disruption in terms of like port traffics etc post-covid and those are shocks which are very harsh very hard to foresee so they potentially just couldn't they were right about the forces of inflation and being supply-side driven and that in itself normally is something temporary and if we look at top-line inflation right now in the end yes it was more sticky and yes it stayed higher for longer and much more so than they ever anticipated but it looks like a V, which is turned on its head, right? It came down dramatically, and we are now below four percent inflation, and we're going to go all the way down to two. So, if you look at a long time series, um, we we it has actually been transitory. Sounds sounds odd, but that's really what it will have turned out to be. And and one last point on that as well. And I think, which is potentially even more important. Yes, they got con- inflation under control. I think they remained very credible. But they also engineered the soft landing, which is quite quite remarkable actually, where they had to run inflation rate, uh, sorry interest rates, very high because of the risk of uh, because of the risk of um, basically inflation getting out of control. They managed to contain inflation, and they did so without actually stalling the the economy entirely, and and without having the unemployment rate spike. And that's something which is quite remarkable. So, long story short, I think they actually deserve much more credit than we tend to give them.
1: I'll 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 be I'll be a bit more generous in my in my commentary of them. Uh Bastian that, that that I think maybe just two things to touch on there. One is this this soft landing uh, and and then just uh, you, you know the the, the future what, what that looks like. So 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 this soft landing it feels a bit to me like that uh, that pilot who landed the, the the jumbo on the Hudson River. You know it, it's possible and and we saw it happen. But but I would guess nine hundred ninety nine times out of a thousand it's not going to work out as well as it did. Uh, and and so so to give them their their due, uh, you know, if the U.S. economy comes out of this. In six months or a year from now, whether it went into a little bit of a recession or or kind of just slower growth, uh, they've achieved a
0: a soft landing. They have actually landed that jumbo on the Hudson. It's exactly like that, Warren. Uh, That's exactly how I would put it. And it's very tough to do that because you've got such a massive lead lag between um, monetary policy and the impact on the real economy. So basically, you tighten interest rates today and you will really feel the effect only like 12 to 18 months later. And that makes it very, very tough. It looks so that they really got it right. And I think also like to our topic, why we think interest rates are going to come down eventually is they got it right in the way that inf- the inflation problem on all measures seems to really be going away while the economy is still fine. So they, as I said in the intro, they can afford to keep them higher for a little bit longer, which is, feels a little bit painful for us if we are uh, running like a mortgage bond or something but other than that um they have achieved exactly what they wanted to achieve and that's quite remarkable and I do think they re- should get some credit for that and and yeah it's a tough task but it looks like they they got it right doesn't mean that there will ever be no uh, never be a, a recession again there will be a recession but um it was just not as imminent as we all anticipated earlier so there has been quite a quite an extended period of um, economic growth now and we're still experiencing it globally and that's good not necessarily globally but in the states
1: so, so i think you know people make too much of this recession thing in my opinion you know if if the economy in america ends up growing by half a percent or it shrinks by half a percent that that percentage difference is not enormous either way uh, so, so actually, what you don't want to do is you don't want to end up with the economy shrinking by five percent. Uh, you, you know, so, so if you end up with a slight recession uh, and and the media is going crazy saying now the American economy is in recession, uh, I, I, I think it's it's overdone. And and I think to 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 give them their, their due, you know, if it ends up with a year or two of, of kind of just muted growth in, in the US and then a recovery, uh, w- well well done to them. So so I, I mean, I want to focus on the good news here because there is good news. Uh, you know, if interest rates. Uh, well, let's say if inflation is cyclical, that, that means uh, that the weapon uh, to, to manage that is, is interest rates and if uh, they'll start to come down as well. Uh, and to me, uh, you know, my, my kind of simplistic view is that's extremely good news for people who invest in growth assets, you know, whether they be shares, property companies, even bonds.
0: Yeah, most definitely it is. And, and that's something which we, which makes us a little bit more optimistic on some of these asset classes. Look, I mean, if we really speak asset classes and expected returns on these asset classes, we have to obviously dig a little bit deeper. We have to see that there's also structural like headwinds from, from the point of view that, um, generally in the global space, a global economy might be slowed down structurally, now really using the word structurally, by uh, issues in China, which we didn't necessarily see before. Um, And we also would have to see more cyclically, again, short term, that a lot of these asset classes have become incredibly expensive. So I don't want to say because inflation is coming down and growth is holding up that we are outright positive on every asset class out there. But you are right from a, if we want to call it financial conditions point of view, um, there could be tailwinds very soon when interest rates finally come down on the back of um, just much lower inflation globally.
1: And 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 so I think it's it's not a fair question to ask you when all of this is going to happen. I think you know you know the, uh, the but but what are the kind of flags that we would look for to say okay, gee, the story is now you know pay attention, the story is happening. This is the next move we we will see will be an interest rate decrease. Are there are there some sort of things we should be all looking at to to, to figure this one out?
0: Yeah, I mean, it will be linked to inflation and the real economy. So those are the two factors. Uh, potentially inflation continuing their way down will eventually create space for the Fed to cut. And and that's probably the most important um, indicator to look at is simply just inflation. Um, there is a lot of real-time data available out there on where interest rates are priced. So we can see on a daily basis exactly um where interest rate expectations sit, and normally the market is not a terrible predictor in terms of predicting where interest rates are going to go. So if I look at that right now, um, the expectation has been pushed out for rates to come out, um, down all the way into the next year and um, actually only into the second half of next year. So meaning, um, yes, rates will potentially stay higher for longer, but they will eventually really, really come down, and and I guess that's what what we have to focus on.
1: And I think that that's the you know that's always the thing about investing is we're not uh, we're not worrying about today we're, we're always looking into the future, uh, and if we're doing that, every other investor is doing the same thing. Uh, and, and so, just to understand that you can't you can't be an investor in growth. Let's just say something like shares, growth assets like shares, uh, and then say, "Well, I'll, I'll invest in the stock market once interest rates have come all the way down again," B- because unfortunately, the, the the recovery in in in, in markets then might have already have happened, and it's always going to be the case. You can't wait. Uh, and, and my own sense of this is. Uh, you know, d- avoid the market timing uh, question altogether. That would be the, the the first prize. But certainly, if you're sitting there uh, with lots of dollars in cash and earning the five and a half percent, and you feel uh, really in, you know clever now, well done. But but just understand that those that five and a half percent will be coming down. Bastian's telling us that it's not. We're not sure when it's going to be, but it's going to happen. Uh, and and then you you know you want to already by then have been in 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 the other asset classes where where you'll start to be rewarded for that. And I think the, the This is the market timing thing that that people get so fixated on and actually uh, almost think, you know, we should focus on how much we have in shares, how much we have in bonds and property and stay there uh, and and just forget this market timing thing. It's it's only ever going to cost you money in the long run. 100%
0: right. So it's much more important to get structurally the right exposure to the right asset classes, have the right asset mix to make sure that you can experiencing long term, that you will be experiencing long term growth. Um, I do agree with everything you said, Warren. I mean, yes, at the. at the five and a half percent in interest rates right now at the front and earning five and a half dollars we actually like that strategy given the uncertainty out there it's probably a good trade to be exposed to but exactly as you said market timing is impossibly incredibly difficult to hard, if not impossible so keep the bigger picture and your long-term strategic asset allocation in mind that is really really more important long-term
1: and you know if you if you do if you are tempted in the market timing deal then do it with a small portion of your money don't do it with everything you know if you're Overall allocation to shares should be seventy-five percent, you know. And you feel that you want to earn some interest now and anticipate things. Do it with five percent. Don't do it with the the seventy-five percent. And and then if you're wrong, and and the one thing about markets always is that they have a great way of humbling us. The moment we think we know exactly what's going to happen, uh, the, the markets will will teach us differently. So so always invest. I think as as if you might be wrong as well, uh, and and then your 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 room for error is, is always less, and that you know that's very comfortable. Uh, Bastian, we, we're, we're, we're running out of time and I just wanted to check in with you to see is there another uh, k- kind of point on this interest rate story that you would like uh, our listeners to, to, to leave with b- before we close up?
0: Maybe important highlight um, would be that in South Africa, because like also to bring it home, we spoke a lot about the global economy and most particularly about um, um, the US. Why are we doing that? The reason is because we are in South Africa following the Federal Reserve so accurately there's a lot of um, reasons why we're doing it. Again, um, it's it's almost needed because we need to protect our currency, especially when interest rates in the States go higher. We almost are forced to follow them. But um, what I want to point to is um, that, yeah, on the way up, we have followed them almost perfectly. So if the U.S. economy eventually starts to slow and inflation continues to come down, there will be room for cuts in the States. And with that, inherently, there will be, um, room for cuts in South Africa as well, especially given that our economy is so much weaker. So, um yeah, don't focus on the negatives. Don't focus on inflation getting out of control. That's not what we're seeing in South Africa and potentially longer term down the line, definitely room for interest rates to come down again.
1: Oh, you, you, not, not you've made such a fantastic point. You left me with a question I have to ask. So so if we see, when we see interest rates coming down in America uh, um, and, and our, our reserve bank starts to follow suit, uh, w- what's the relationship between declining interest rates in the U.S. and the Rand dollar?
0: Okay, that's a good question. So generally, U.S. interest rates coming down is generally very, very good for emerging markets. So we would then expect the dollar to depreciate against rent and the rent to do much better. I mean, the, the most you actually, funny enough, you actually put it out earlier, like what is the most crowded trade? Everybody would sit and earn five and a half percent in dollars because simply you can. And that's what you get at the risk free rate. But as soon as that phenomena goes away, then people will have to look into other markets, also into emerging markets to ha- harvest higher returns. And and that's when the rent once again, with our bonds, with our equities, et cetera, all of a sudden becomes much, much more attractive again for investors, so yeah, if interest rates come down globally, that should be good for South african assets and with that also for the rent
1: so so you 've heard it here on honest money there 's some good news to come we't we 't don't, we don't know when uh, it it, it won 't be in five years' time and it won 't be in five days' time but uh, but certainly. Uh, if we look at rates, uh, the, the the interest rate market it's telling us uh, the second half of twenty twenty four we we could take some co- confidence that uh, the, the this story that we've just spoken about will start to to unwind interest rates coming down in America. Uh, and and therefore uh you know south, south african interest rates coming down so so for the mortgage holders in south africa that's good news uh and and then i guess for our own inflation you know because so much of our inflation is imported uh, and and you know when the rand gets a bit stronger against the dollar very good news for for inflation and uh and so lots of good news to come but but, but don't get too excited uh, don't go again all or nothing it's it's going to take a bit of time to to unfold uh bastian tachgeber thanks so much for for joining i think that was uh, p- possibly our best show of the, of, of the year uh, so, so far. I understood all of it. That's why I'm saying it was our best show of the year. Uh, I'm Chief Investment Officer of Prescient Investment Management. Thanks so much for, for joining us.
0: Thanks for having me, Warren. Thank you. Brought to you by Prescient Investment Management. Informed by science. Guided by insight. Prescient Investment Management is an authorized FSP,